And hello, movie lovers. And tonight we're actually going to be reviewing Scream 6. And I also have a very special guest with me from Vengeance Media. And I'm actually excited to actually have him here. We're geeked out to be able to talk about Scream 6. So further ado, let's go ahead. Let's get on with the review. It's good to have him here. And let's do this. Hey, man, what's going on? Hey, buddy, how's it going? It's going great, man. It's always good to be able to talk about Scream, and even better whenever I get to talk about Scream with another Scream fan. So that's oh, that's a plus. Thank you so much for having me, man. I jumped at the chance when you when you guys gave me the opportunity. I jumped. I had to do it. I like. I've been like chained down for so long to not talk about it. So I'm I'm here. I'm ready to talk about it with you guys. So I can't wait. Thank you again for having me on, man. You're welcome anytime. And it's good to actually have you unchained to be able to talk about this movie without any filter. So that's also a good thing. Okay, so one thing I really loved about Scream 6 is is the fact that it opens up one year later prior to what the things that happened in the uh, fifth film, which also makes it more suspenseful because of the fact the characters hadn't had time to even digest of what happened to them. So they're going through trauma. You have basically you have. Sam, who's actually going through some things where she's going to a psychiatrist. You have Tara, who's actually going to college, who's trying to get over what happened to her, but she's not fully on facing anything. So that's what I really liked about that. And then I've always, whenever it comes down to the screen movies, I always love the opening kill scenes. And I was always wondering what they're going to do with the sixth one, because they always do a good job when it comes down to the kill screen. Uh, on the introduction. So, you know, whenever you get this, it's actually one year, one year after the Woodsboro killing orchestrated by Richie Kirsch and Amber Freeman, Blackmore university professor, Laura Crane is uh, catfished by her student, Jason Carvey, who lures her outside a bar in New York city and kills her while wearing a ghost face costume. So what did you think about this? It took me by surprise. I was, uh, I was a little bit let down that it, that Samara Weaving, uh, Laura Crane in the movie, um, was the opening kill because I'm such a huge fanboy of Samara Weaving. I think she's incredible. And um, so I was like, oh, I thought we was going to get Samara Weaving throughout like like the runtime maybe, mm-hmm. like maybe halfway through maybe. But no, she was the opening kill. And it took me by surprise, obviously, when... Um, the kid from Spider-Man, um, I forget his name now, um, took off his mask. I was like, oh, okay, it's going to be one of these movies. They're going to change it up a little bit. And so, yeah, that that, that shook me a little bit. And then um, but obviously when it gets to the next step, uh, right. things change a little bit. Right. And you know what? I definitely love the opening scene where she's waiting in the bar. She does. She's not sure where she's at because she's in New York City. It looks like for the very first time she's in New York City. And she just moved into the city. She's actually from the UK and Australia, Australia. Okay. So uh, sorry about the accent. I didn't, uh, but anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she's from Australia and she teaches us. She actually teaches a class on horror movies, slasher films and things like that. So she's trying to meet this date. And then when the, when the phone rings, we instantly think it's going to be Ghostface. But is it going to be Ghostface? That's the thing, because we also know from the third Scream movie, now they have a way to imitate other people's voices and stuff. So when she gets that phone call, and then it's actually the guy that she's supposed to meet, he goes, oh, I'm going down this um, alleyway. 
um, do do I see the restroom? Is it is what color is it? And she goes, it's it's uh, red. Ah, uh, is it red? Yeah, it's red. Let me look outside. She looks outside. It is in fact red. So she winds up. Saying, he goes, look, I still can't see you. Where are you? He goes, well, I'm coming down the alleyway right now. Do you see me? I'm waving at you. No, I don't see you. She goes into the alleyway, and then, of course, that's when she winds up getting stabbed by him. And my initial thoughts was this. Is this where we're going? Because at first it took me out of it a little bit because I'm like, wait, they revealed the killer already? I remember taking notes. I'm like, took me out of it. Then I'm like, but is there more to it than what meets the eye? Because these screen movies always has a way of actually diving into something when we're thinking that it's going to go one way. And so they reveal the killer right off the bat, which I thought that was very interesting. So I was thinking, okay, well, maybe because of the fact that he is a college student with uh, Tara, because they wind up bumping into each other whenever he's going back over his dorm and she's also going to join a party. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, so maybe this is a cat and mouse kind of game where we actually see the perspective of the killer while also trying to tell Tara, Hey, look, there's actually a guy in the dorms that's killing people and copycatting. And then there's actually more to that. So I, that's what I thought was going to be happening. What about you? Yeah. It took me by surprise as well. Like you say, uh, gets lured down the alleyway um, by the guy on the phone that is uh, played by Toby toby revioli who is jason he's called jason in the movie so um i don't know what it is with the name jason and serial killers it's it's kind of mashes for a while doesn't it but right. uh yeah so uh jason obviously stabs samara weaving's character laura in the alleyway uh after saying he can't see red i can't see red i can't see a red bar stabs her up and it says now i see red i really <laughs> like that line that was quite a cool line um but yeah but obviously the whole cat and mouse thing i thought oh this is going to be a completely different screen movie this is like one we've never seen before so it really did take me by surprise same and then we get this one where jason's walking back to the apartment then we see all the scream stuff that all the stab stuff that he has from every single part of the franchise he has all the masks lined up in the closet then we also uh he also gets a phone call and he goes, what's your favorite scary movie? And then he goes, look, man, this is not funny. <laughs> he, he thought uh, his friend was calling him just to bust his balls, and which is Greg. <laughs> he thought Greg was calling him. And he goes, look, man, we agreed not to do the voice while we're uh, in, the, uh, in the apartment or anything. He goes, how was it? How was it killing her? Did you like it? He goes, yeah, I, it felt kind of normal. It felt great. It felt fantastic. He goes, and then that's whenever it switches because now the real Ghostface is pissed off because they're copycatting him in the kills that he's doing. So that's what really pisses him off. But yeah, I thought I it feel like that line was, I think the line was, yeah, it was like when I stabbed her, when the knife went in, she was less human. She was like an animal. It was like, and every time the knife went in, she just become less and less human. I thought that was a really cool, like, deep line as well. That had, like, uh, a very Hannibal Lecter kind of line, if you think about it, on the way that Jason was using it and that kind of yeah. aspect. I'm like, okay, so you're going for, like, a little Hannibal Lecter kind of aspect to it. Then 
you get into the fact that uh, where Ghostface was, tells him, well, go look in the freezer. Go look in the refrigerator. And so he looks in the refrigerator and it's Greg. Greg is dead. Ghostface chopped him up. I'm like, okay, this is a different ghost face than what we dealt with in the past because he's very grotesque. And he winds up stabbing Jason, killing Jason. And then that's when we actually have the whole introduction of this movie and the characters that we have now. Yeah, I felt like the apartment scene, there was two, well, from what I've seen so far, there are two Easter eggs in the apartment. And that is Jason goes to Manhattan, is on the TV in that apartment. Uh, Jason is watching. Uh, uh, Jason is watching Jason in Manhattan um, and also there's a nice uh, Ice Nine Kills uh, poster on the fridge uh, which is really really cool so uh, definitely yeah and you know and what also the- I like it when uh, was it Ghostface uh, he said oh what about uh, something about what about the movie and he goes oh who gives a fuck about the movie and then, <laughs> and then that's it it's the, that was a really cool so, that was my favorite line in there. He goes, who gives a fuck about the movie? And then just winds up stabbing him. And that's when yeah. it opens up to that line, the, the opening sequence. And I like how it was meta inside of meta with the killing. So you got to kill within a kill of it. So that's something that I really thought was really interesting on how they brought that. So the opening was definitely a good way of actually doing it. The music didn't take me out of it like it did in the fourth movie or anything like that for the opening because usually popish movie music in this movie uh, in certain movies takes me out of it. This one actually fits in with the well with the tone of this that I it didn't take me out of it. So that's something I really liked about it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think Demi Lovato did such a good job. And then. Um, then this this is what winds up happening after that. Jason plots with his roommates. Okay, so Sam and Tara now live in New York City and attend Blackmore with fellow survivors Chad and Mindy Meeks Martin, along with a roommate Quinn, Mindy's girlfriend Anika, and Chad's roommate Ethan. Sam attends therapy with Doctor Stone as uh, and illustrates in public due to an online conspiracy theory that she was the true mastermind of the 2022 Woodrow Woodboro killings. And I really liked how they played off the narrative of a conspiracy theory within the school. It goes to show you how bad social media actually is. And they're making that part of the problem that Sam is dealing with while also dealing with the trauma that she dealt with. And then she goes to several other therapists and explaining to to them that what she's feeling is not normal. Because of the fact that she ends up shooting her boyfriend in the head. She stabbed him, what, 20 times, I believe? And she said that she, it felt normal to her. And the therapist is like, you know I have to report this. And I'm thought to myself, no, you don't. She, did, she didn't admit to a crime. She's just telling yeah. you what she's feeling is not normal. And then Sam makes it known to us as the audience and everything, saying, hey, look, what I'm feeling is not normal. I need help here. And you're not going to willing to help me? So that's something I really liked. I really liked that line that she delivered where she did say, yeah, I stabbed him so many times and then I slit his throat. And yeah, I just felt this darkness <laughs> inside me. And I just thought that was a really, really good line. I did too. And then Alexandria, uh, Alexander J. 2019 says, a killer getting killed as the opening kill killer. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> He's a great guy. Alex, Alex is a great guy. I love him. Yeah, he's a but great yeah, guy. I thought that she would need some therapy 
Ter- um, Sam after what happened. But I was thinking that Tara would be the one, too, that would need therapy because of the fact that all this stuff was happening to her because of who yeah. her sister is with being Billy, uh, Billy's daughter. And turns out she just wants to forget the whole thing and just move on with her life. Yeah, she just wants to live her life. She wants to party. She wants to meet boys. And, and yeah, and like like it goes to that house party and and she wants to live that life she wants that lifestyle and she she kind of wants to forget about she kind of wants to forget about the past and she wants to move on with her life whereas uh sam she is still stuck with the trauma of screen five and what happened to her and obviously who her dad is so she's very conflicted um with that and I think it counterbalances itself out, though, to where, you know, you have this conflict within herself who wants to protect her sister while her sister's also just wanting to live a normal life. So I like how you have that counterbalance between the two characters and it works. Yeah. Uh, so and like you said, they she, just, uh, she goes to the house party and then you wind up seeing the, this one douchebag who. Uh, who winds up just wanting to sleep with her and take advantage of her, especially whenever he, she's like, well, there's no more beer in the cake. He goes, no, but I got a fireball upstairs. And she's like, oh, okay. So next thing you know, what her friends tries to stop her. And I love her friends for doing this for her. Even Chad steps in and yeah. he's like, dude, she's drunk. You're taking advantage of her. You do not need to be doing this. And here's Tara goes, maybe I want to be taken advantage of. I'm like, Girl, you do not need this in your life right now. Yeah, yeah. He was such a dick character. And I like, like, I'm going to be straight up honest here and say in Screen 5, I wasn't a huge fan of the cast. Like, I was like, I like General Ortega. She's amazing. But I wasn't sold on Sam and I wasn't sold on Chad. Uh, Mindy, I wasn't really sold on any of them because I'm such a fanboy of the gang the back in the day. The right. OG. So I felt like this whole new age of people, I was just like, I just don't like these guys. But like, in this movie, I mean, I think the, I think the writers have done an incredible job for us to, to feel it, to, to, to invest in them and love them. And with Chad helping uh, Tara uh, from the creep was incredible. Same. And you know, I didn't wasn't sold on the cast either from uh, the fifth movie. Maybe on my rewatch whenever I review re-review this one so this might actually help out with my experience by reviewing it backwards this way but i remember also feeling the same way you do because of the fact i didn't really feel any connectivity with them so therefore i'm like eh, okay they're just body counts at this point for me i'm like i just don't care but what, yeah. what they do is they humanize these characters to where you care about them in this one to where you can actually relate to them i'm like okay so i'm digging what they're doing with this and everything they learned all their lessons from the fifth movie and not trying to recreate what they did in the fifth one and making this one its own thing and that's what i liked about it was with this one and uh um, 100 oh, yeah yeah and when obviously uh sam steps in uh last minute and with a taser tasers him in the balls i was like yes such a good scene <laughs> And of course, her friends winds up calling her over there. And then that's when we get that scene about the conspiracy theorist. They wind up uh, pushing Sam and then Sam winds up pushing them, which also caused their drink to land on Sam. And then, you know, she's like, 
what are you going to do fucking do about it? What are you going to do? Huh? You can't do anything about the, about anything. You're the one who killed uh, those people in Woodsboro. You don't even know me. You don't know anything about me. All you're hearing is speculation online and things like that. Yeah. yeah. So I like how they go into the whole social media aspect of it and then having a blog about the conspiracy theories and stuff like that that happened in Woodsboro, even though they don't know anything that happened over there. So that's something I really liked. Yeah, that was fantastic. I thought that was a really good... I think that the way they... I thought it really helped with Sam, uh, Sam's character development in, in Scream 6 as well. It kind of brought out this ruthless aggression kind of about her because she's so sick and tired of being known as or known as what happened in screen five and and potentially the killer and it's like nah she was done at that point she was like she was like, i'm over it exactly and then after that happens they go up to the apartment and then that's when they turn on the news and, and looks at the tv the college professor is dead you also have the two uh, guys that are uh, Jason and his friend Greg are dead. And I like how Tara's like, look, that's just coincidental. And that reminds me of so much of Sydney and stuff like that whenever she was in college. And she's like, this has nothing to do with me. This has nothing to do with me. Everything is fine. I'm good. So she kind of fits that uh, Nev Campbell naive char- uh, character build that we got from the second movie to the point where it's like, you know what? I'm good. Everything's fine. This is just a coincidence. No, and then, and come on, tell him, Chad. Tell him th- this is just a coincidence. Actually, it's a little too close to home because they find a mask that that's a goat face mask, and then next thing you know, it the father of the daughter of their roommate um, winds up calling them just to make sure that this is not something that isn't connected with anything. And he goes, and he goes, well, I was just about to call you. You need to come down to the station. And then that's when De- Detective Wayne Bailey call, calls him into questioning as her ID was found at the scene of Jason's murder, along with the ghost face mask that was used in the previous year's killings on the way to the station. Sam is called by ghost faces from Richie's phone, who then attacks Tara and pursues them to into a bodega, killing multiple bystanders and leaving behind another ghost face mask used in a 2011 Wardsboro killing. So I like the grocery. I love the store, the little store that they have to go into high and stuff like that in New York City. Such a good scene. That grocery store scene was epic. It was because you have this big dude. This hey, buddy, take a walk, do take a hike. And he goes, what are you fucking going to do about it? Next thing you know, he stabs him in the neck and then repeatedly stabs him. I'm like, okay, this ghost face is pissed off. Not only is he pissed off, but he's not clumsy like the other ghost face. This one looks like he's doing cardio for crying out loud. This person, this ghost face is in shape and ready to kill some people. And then he goes yeah. on a murder spree inside that little corner store. Even the even the guy who actually picks up the gun, who's the shotgun, who's actually the clerk, uh, tells them, hey, look, go off the back that he winds up taking his keys off and to give it to him. And that's whenever he gets killed. Next thing you know, Ghostface picks up the shotgun. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. We're exchanging a, a knife to a shotgun, uh, shotgun now? This, okay, that this one's out it. for blood. <laughs> he was. And, you know, that whole scene reminded me of that scene in Jurassic Park, the original Jurassic Park with the velociraptors in the kitchen. Um, 
and you got that they're hiding uh the kids are hiding from the velociraptors um and i got that vibe in the in the grocery store um where they're basically on their knees on their hands and knees and they're just crawling trying to like avoid ghost face shotgun and try and distract him by throwing something that was on the floor throwing it across the store to make it sound like they're over that side of the store uh that was really really cool i loved that whole scene um but prior to that wasn't it i think richie richie caller id came up from the previous movie right and it was actually ghostface and um said something about having to watch your back and they were like well what do you mean and then ghostface jumps out and that's how the convenience store scene happened right, right. so right. uh I thought that scared the hell out of me, to be honest with you, because normally whenever they do a jump scare, it's just somebody else in the alley or a poor guy bumping into them. This is actually ghost face face to face with them. And it works. It it definitely works on the scare bit because of the fact that you're in New York City, you're in, in the city and you don't know much about it. And it makes a big playground for Ghostface to do what he wants to do. And I, I'm, I'm all for it. This is what makes it so awesome because New York, I find that New York is another character in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, New York, the, the landscape is another character in Scream 6 because there is so many ways and elements surrounding New York as a whole, like Manhattan. There's so many ways that Ghostface can jump out and get you. There's, there's it's dark alleyways, there's corners, it's dark, it's... It's yeah, it's it's fantastic the, the the way that they decided that they could that Ghostface could just jump out and get you from anywhere. I love it. I, I I love how they do that, especially in alleyways and other ways that they can do it. Yeah, this is a whole new level. And I also like how old the mask looks that Ghostface is actually looking at. Uh, you know, wearing because it's all cracked up. It's very decaying in a sense, kind of like a Michael Myers mask that we got from the Halloween uh, reboot franchise that they did with Blumhouse. Yeah, we we don't talk about Halloween ends. (laughs) So bad. So bad. (laughs) But anyways, um, but yeah, at, at this, at the station, the sisters meet the FBI special agent Kirby Reed, who was actually in the fourth uh, screen movie, a survivor of the 2011 killings. They also encounter reporter Gail Weathers, who reveals that Sidney Prescott and her family have gone into hiding in response to the recent attacks. Dr. Stone is murdered by Ghostface and gets a knife to the eye, to the eye who steals Sam's file and leaves the mask used in, a Holly, in the Hollywood killings. So there's a part that, I, you know, you always get like the iconic scene with Gail and stuff like that too, where she actually gets um, punched, and then she winds up dodging that punch because she's so used to it. She goes, "Look, this is not my first rodeo, kid." I'm, I'm, and then all of a sudden you see Tara. She winds up punching Gail out of nowhere because <laughs> you. Tara pops are a good one, yeah. <laughs> but I yeah. thought now, what did you think of Kirby coming back? Because here's the thing. I didn't know that she was coming back up until my friend Josh, who I had on for screen four, because, you know, she's coming back. I'm like, no, because I only watched the teaser trailer and the trailer after that. So I had no clue she was coming back up until they said it until he said it. And I'm like, how would she fit into this? And at first I thought that was her character at the very beginning that got killed. It's just that she's in a different uh, alias name and picked up an Australian accent. 
But then I realized, okay, that's not her. Now she's an FBI agent. And now it looks like that she's actually playing the role of the police officer that needs to save everybody, which is also Dewey's character. So they do like a uh, gender swap with that, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many people know this, but she was meant to be coming back in the fifth one. So she reached out to uh, Radio Silence and said, look, I I feel like there's a way that my character could survive. Uh, I'm ready to come back to acting because she took a hiatus because in real life her brother passed away. So she took a, she took a, a Hayden took a, an acting hiatus. Uh, when Scream 5 rolled around, um, she was like, right, I'm ready to come back. And she was like, look, we've got nothing for you for Scream 5, but we can put an Easter egg in Scream 5 for you and possibly get you into Scream 6. So what they did was the Easter egg was in Scream 5. The, during a YouTube clip, um, there's a YouTube clip footage in the movie and you know where you're watching a youtube click you get like suggested videos like by the side of the the main video that you're watching mm-hmm. uh one of the suggested videos was uh kirby reed uh interviews after her stabbings through screen four so um so that was to tell people that she's still alive and she could come back and in screen six i thought that her role was great i thought she was i thought she was great i thought she was good i i i feel like Throwing her straight into an FBI role was a bit random, uh, like <laughs> considering who she was in Screen Four. Um, like she was some ditzy blonde girl, and right? Just like loves yeah, horror movies, right? Yeah, and now she's like an FBI agent, so that was kind of weird for me. Um, <laughs> but I thought it was—I thought it was quite cool. I thought it was quite cool to see her back. Same here. I thought it was very fitting for her to be an FBI agent. To be honest. Because of the fact that, you know, it's a hard trope. There's always going to be that one cop that wants to save everybody. Even if you're at Camp Crystal Lake and you want, are trying to be the hero, that's what it reminds me of what Kirby is. And that's yeah. what I feel like that she's doing, is trying to save everybody. And then also, too, I like how they explain the rules in this movie, though. Because now they're like, well, you're no longer just part of individual movies now. Now you're part of our franchise. And you want to go on ahead and explain the way the rules work? yeah i sequel the sequel to the requel so it's like the first screen movie was screen five essentially and then they're making the requel which is the sequel the requel to the sequel so yeah i i feel like with that that was quite cool how they referenced that um, but jump, but fast. I'm uh, not not to fast forward or anything. But there was a line that Kirby did say that I felt was really, really, really cool. Was she wanted the monsters to be scared of her, and I thought that was really cool because being an FBI agent, she wanted she wanted to put fear into monsters. That obviously, when Ghostface attacked her, she wanted to be an FBI agent because she wanted to put the fear into monsters. Uh, I thought that was really, really cool. That was a cool line. I did too. That's like embracing the darkness and trying to kick the darkness ass and trying to be a strong character. And I thought that was that that was actually very fitting to have something like that in there. And then there was also the whole entire deal with the psychiatrist and everything, too, that worked for me whenever he gets stabbed. I thought the kill (laughs) was really good. Yeah. Well, yeah. (laughs) Like he was trick or treaters, right? And then come right. to the door, 
And then Ghostface just like slams his head into the glass and then sticks the <laughs> knife straight through his eye. It's like, that's brilliant. And then takes was- uh, Sam's file, making her look like she's suspect. Yeah. And stuff like that. So I thought that was really interesting. And then, you know, Wayne is officially taken off the case following Quinn's death. Now we're going to get into that in a minute. But the rules are like bigger franchises, bigger budget, stuff like that. Nobody is saved. Even the legendary characters are not longer safe. And even the new characters are not safe. No one's safe with a bigger franchise. So those were the rules that was laid up upon us. But then you also have this other guy uh, that's living across from their apartment that I thought that was really funny because he's like has this little, you know, serious face the whole time, like a Vin Diesel type character. Yeah. Yeah, Danny. Danny, the love interest, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I Sam's totally trying to keep that. him a secret. I thought that was funny. I thought, you know, when uh, finally they want, she winds up telling them, hey, look, I'm sleeping with cute guy across the across the street. Oh, okay. Next thing you know it, they start joking and stuff like that. And as that's going on, I like how they have this sweet moment and the tone is shifted differently. Yeah. And the music is this playing was- this... That scene yeah. was pinnacle for me. Like that scene was pinnacle to the point where this is where I started to like the new guys. Like, cause it was such a sweet moment between them all. Like the core four. They were going, yeah, we're the core four. Like, right. and it was like they all put their hands in the middle of the table and they were all like, Yeah, we're the core four. And then that was really cool. I, I, this is when I really started to like the new characters quite a lot. So same here. But also, too, I like how they go from that and then the tone of the music switches from that over to something dark because of the fact that Quinn is being murdered in the room and then that she's sleeping with somebody like she normally does. She gets murdered and stabbed. And, you know, and then as that's going on, Danny... Right. Murdered. <laughs> We're going to get to that. In a minute. But, but then you have this other thing that's going on where Danny is uh, looking across the thing and he sees Ghostface. He sees all this happening and you have this dramatic music going on and then it then goes back over to them and you have this other uh, music going on that's all happy music. So I like yeah. the blend of the two styles of the music on how it shifts back and forth between perspectives. So I definitely like that. And then you know, after that winds up happening, they wind up going into um, going into Quinn's room after she falls out of her room. And then after that, Danny grabs the ladder and they're all trying to cl- basically what they do is they're trying to go across the skyscraper. Well, not skyscraper, but this apartment complex uh, with the ladder being held out the window. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I thought that was. Like the way that obviously Danny was trying to grab their attention and he was like banging on the windows and he was shouting, he just couldn't get their attention. So he used like today's technology and airdropped a photo of, you know, the what's happening. And they all get this photo and they're all like, holy shit, this is crazy. <laughs> and they all jump up. And then obviously she goes for the, um, she goes for the knife block, right? She goes like, uh, Sam, Sam goes to a knife block to get like a weapon, to get a knife to, to obviously defend herself and uh she realizes that there's no knives in the knife block so uh she was like this is really weird and then obviously they go to um quinn they go to obviously quinn comes out and ghostface comes running out at him and yeah i feel like that before that ladder scene um 
Annika or Anika, Annika or Anika. I don't know how it's how it's pronounced. I've forgotten, but like she gets ruthlessly stabbed by Ghostface after Quinn comes out and uh, uh, Ghostface comes running out, stabs Anika right in the belly. And uh, you can see the knife twist and he pulls it up about six inches. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my God. At this point, I was like, this is awesome. This, this is so graphic. <laughs> I'm loving this. And yeah, that was like, I was just like, how are you still alive? How are you still, how are you on that ladder trying to get across? Like your gut should be literally falling out. Like all over right. the place by that. Like, <laughs> That's what I was thinking though too. But I'm like, how are you going to hold your stomach in place and also try to do this? Because you're going to die. Either you're going to bleed to death or you're going to fall. And Ghostface, he's determined. And also, too, I like how Sam winds up hitting him upside the head with the uh, knife box. Because, hey, hits his head. And I swear, this is a different level of Ghostface that we haven't seen before because he's running full force. And, you know, I'm like, okay, this is even more scary because I don't know what's going to happen now. Normally, if you knock someone down, that's it. He just lays there. Not this one. This one got right back up again, goes out to where the window is and sees Danica trying to escape because everybody else made it across. And he's shaking the ladder while Danny's over there trying to hold the ladder in place. And she winds up falling to her death. And she winds up hitting the garbage can that's placed outside the uh, alleyway. And you get to see that the damage that hitting your face against that, what the impact does. I'm like, Ooh, she looks like, like Rocky Balboa. <laughs> she looked like Rocky in Rocky four, man. Mm-hmm. Like after that fight with Drago, like when Rocky's face was all like, but I was expecting her to go, Adrian! Like, I yeah. didn't do it. I didn't do it. <laughs> I didn't make it. Yeah. So she did look like she did look like Rocky Balboa after she hit that, hit her head on the truck can. <laughs> right. And then Wayne is also pissed off, and he looks like the same face that Danny has through the whole entire movie with this. <laughs> Just the angry face. Look, guys, I get it. You're pissed off. You're serious, but you're over selling us with this, with these angry glares that just find so so laughable. But it also fits in with Scream to the point where I don't even care at this point. And he's like, look, I don't care who we take down, what we do. I'm killing the asshole that killed my daughter. I'm, I'm making sure that I'm making sure of it. And so he gets taken off the case because, of course, it's too close to home because of the fact that Quinn died, died. Um, So therefore, he gets taken off the case, but he wants to actually help the kids. And so anyways, the group agreed to meet Kirby. Okay, so before we get over to that, Gail takes. Okay, so basically, this is what happens. Wayne is officially taken off the case following Quinn's death but vows to help the group and avenge his daughter. Gail takes the group to an abandoned cinema she found while investigating, which has been set up as a shrine of the Ghostface killers, including the weapons and outfits from each set of attacks. Ghostface later calls Gail at her apartment and torments her about the death of Dewey, Riley. Before killing her boyfriend and attacking her, Sam and Tara arrive just in time to stop Ghostface from killing Gail. 
So I love the cinema aspect of you have all these. It's like if you think about the layer of Ghostface. It's if this was a movie, like they said, you know, this would be the layer. And I love how they have every single prop from every single screen movie in this. And they have the television set that dropped on Stu's head. They actually have the robe that Stu wore. You had the Billy costume. You had the Stu costume. You have all of this. And I'm geeking out the whole entire time with all the little Easter eggs that were given. I just want to be there. I just I wanted (laughs) to be there. I was like, I would geek out, man. I would so geek out if I was there. But I think that whole like line by like like you was just going back a little bit when you're saying about uh, Wayne Bailey, the detective. Like when he was going on about like I lost my kids, I can't believe I just lost my I've lost all my kids, blah blah blah. And then like all of a sudden he does this does this like dramatic face and he's just like you die. I was just like like you you don't I don't know that line just didn't fit right with me. It was just like you if you're trying to if you're trying to sell that you've just lost your kids, like that's the last thing you're thinking about. Like right, but so, at the same time it's about vengeance and trying to get the, the killer or whatever but yeah for me it worked because of the fact that scream so therefore i have to expect yeah. something like that so it actually knows its audience which is us so i'm fine with that so yeah. i'm like okay that's where you're going with it that's fine i'm gonna ignore that little aspect of it it didn't really bother me what did bother me a little bit is like a little bit of nitpick is within all the other scream movies we got to see O'Gill investigate this they yeah. break away from the group to show what Gil is doing, and they don't even show what Gil is doing. And I wish that that she would actually they would have actually showed her investigating this museum and showing how she got there versus oh I found this museum it's white card and let's go in. I wanted to see that. Yeah, you want to see that investigation. I feel like the movie could have used I could have it could have benefited having like an extra half hour onto the runtime. Just to show, just to show Gail investigating that that mm-hmm. whole scenario, that'd have been really cool. Same, but yeah, I liked, I enjoyed seeing all the props there. Of course, you have that confrontation between Billy and his daughter because of the fact that she's seeing his reflection in the window and of uh, the ghost face costume, and telling her to embrace her future into what what it could be. Because yeah. like father, like daughter kind of situation. And at first I thought I, this movie would actually be where it would be a split personality type, type of deal. Yeah, I agree. I I, I like that Skeet, Skeet Urich, or Billy Loomis made a cameo again in this one. I thought it was great. It's always great <laughs> to see him. Yeah, it's always great to Same. see him come back up. So, but yeah, yeah. Um, then of course, you know, after that winds up happening... You know, we actually have Gail being tormented by Ghostface, and Ghostface calls her about Dewey. And then I like how you have this thing being played out where the boyfriend is there to protect her. And then the boyfriend in the background, while she's on the phone with him, uh, with Ghostface, he gets pulled back. You hear the squeak of his, of his shoes. Gail looks behind her. He's gone. And then, you know, he goes, look, what's different from with you from the other killers that have tried to kill me? If you're going to kill me, just go ahead and kill me already because you're getting kind of boring. And then, you know, she winds up, my favorite thing that she does is she winds up t- putting him on hold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can, can hear in the background, Ghostface just goes, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> 
So I thought that was a that was a, a hilarious thing that we haven't seen in the screen movies. As a matter of fact, I was actually thinking that to myself. Like, what happens if you just put him on hold <laughs> the whole time, <laughs> and you have like elevator music being played? That's what I would love to see. But you know, <laughs> but I thought it was very fitting. And then when you see the boyfriend getting thrown into out of the bookshelf from their bedroom, that part was uh, that. Then you actually know, okay, it's time to be serious. And she gives him a run for his money. She winds up taking the gun out of the safe, even though she's panicking. And at first I'm like, okay, this is just going to be one of those things where she pulls out the gun in the nick of time. She winds up shooting him. He falls to the ground and she tries to take off his mask. Not this case. She winds up taking, um, shooting him and everything and stuff like that. But she still winds up stabbing her with the glass that's been broken on the floor while she's also thinking that he's dead. I feel like the lead up to that scene was great as well because obviously they're in Central Park, right? And, right. Because um, Kirby says that she can trace the she can trace the call in like thirteen seconds or something crazy like that, and uh, they steal Wayne Bailey's uh, police car to go after <laughs> Gail in the apartment, and so like, you can't do that, you can't do that, and they do it, and and. Uh, and then Samantha says this brilliant line to Tara. Says, "Do you going to turn the siren on?" And she's like, "Do you think we're going to steal a police car and not turn the sirens on?" Right. And then there's and also another. Th- was- yeah, there's also another part though that I like too. Whenever the kids are like, "Well, why did you think that Ghostface is not going to kill anyone out in broad daylight?" And she yeah. goes, "Because they're not." He's well. They killed my brother, my uncle, in broad daylight in a public place on a college university. I like how Chad just looks at her like, "What the hell." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know, right? That was so good. But I feel like there was a before, like going back to the shrine. I think there's a bit that I missed. Um, it was when uh, Tara, no, sorry, it was uh, Mindy and Kirby having a little conversation about horror movies. And oh that yeah. Was, yeah, yeah, that was I awesome. That was that was fantastic. I absolutely loved that. They said Psycho Two is like um, underrated. I was just like, yes. <laughs> Finally, like someone on my someone on my wavelength right here. I thought that was incredible. But yeah, I thought the whole going back to the Courtney Cox scene, like the the Gail scene in the apartment, I thought that was done so so well. I thought it was amazing. My only issue with it is they should have just wiped Gail. Then that should have been same. It. Like like I feel like they should have they should have gone all the way. That's how that's how I feel though too because they said that the, she has like a weak pulse. So I'm thinking yeah. like I, we had this conversation a little bit earlier before the show, but I feel like now this is a hot take for some people who love the Gail Weathers character, but I think that you would actually have to have her in a wheelchair where she's confined to a wheelchair, she's paralyzed to the point where she can't even move anymore. So therefore, Ghostface would be the one who has to finish her off. And and kill that one legendary character off again, so that way she'll be able to feel something because she misses Dewey. Even though she has somebody, she still misses Dewey no matter what. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like just killing her off in that way and offering her off that way would actually be a good way to actually send her uh, send Courtney Cox out of the franchise and leaving Sydney uh, to be in the franchise. Oh, I agree 100%. I feel like it was kind of a miss, a missed opportunity to not, because I feel like it would have had a deeper, it would have been more, it would have had more impact, more stakes. Definitely. Uh, 
you know, because I, I, I like the way she was just saying, oh, tell Sydney, tell Sydney that Ghostface didn't get me. He didn't get me. And then I was just like, she's going to die. She's going to die. And then, <laughs> then I was like, oh, she survived. I was like, oh, man, it kind of took me out of it a little bit. Yeah, same here. I thought it was like a weak uh, writing on that part. But still, as long uh, and after that part, we actually get the group agrees to meet Kirby because Kirby tells them to meet her at the theater to set a trap for Ghostface. On the subway platform, they are separated and Mindy is stabbed by Ghostface at the theater. Uh, at the theater, Sam sees a vision of her father, original Ghostface killer, Billy Loomis, who reminds her to defend herself and not to trust anyone. But... So when Mindy gets stabbed by Ghostface in the subway scene, I thought they played a great deal of detail whenever it comes down to the lighting of the subway and then how Ghostface is looking at her. And each time whenever she looks at him, he's moving closer and closer to her. So I like that part. Then you have the dorky guy that's trying to act like he's going to protect her whenever he's not really going to do anything. And then they get separated. But what's even scarier is the fact that this is on Halloween and all the other ones never took place on Halloween. And you have several people dressed up as Ghostface, and you don't know which one's the killer. That's creepy as fuck. It was the only my only issue with that scene was it was overplayed in the trailers. So it was like the whole promotion of Scream Six was the subway scene essentially. Uh, so I and it showed that Mindy was uh, Mindy was going to be in trouble and get stabbed on the subway. So it was kind of a spoiler in the trailer. So I knew that scene was coming. I kind of wish they didn't show who was going to get attacked on the subway. So that was that was really annoying. But that's how, that subway scene was absolutely phenomenal. I, I loved it. Um, I thought it was great. But like I said, it was just like overused for the promotion for the movie. And I kind of knew what was going to happen anyway. So, yeah. Same. I do feel like that was overselling it with the subway scene and the trailers and stuff like that. Because we all know that there's going to be a death scene coming up in the subway. So why are you? Uh, because it's New York City. Of course they're going to have that. Yeah. You know, it's it's a it's and not only that, but even in Jason Takes Manhattan, you know Jason's going to get on a subway and butcher up some people. So why yeah. wouldn't they want utilize the subway? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I like I like that they did that. I just I just wish they didn't show who in the trailer, right. like because obviously it was very focused on Mindy and the trailer, right? So, exactly. But, uh, I wanted to be on the edge of my seat, wondering which one was going to get attacked from the subway. Right, and I also like how they're playing it smart by keeping all the Woodsboro people together, and Danny's actually the one who can't be with them because they haven't been through the same situations they have and only that, but they don't trust him because he's an outsider and because he's an outsider, he has to leave. And so I'm like, okay, I like how we're going with that because we didn't have that with the other ones because all the other boyfriends were pretty much on the chopping block. They were all there with them, you know? Yeah. So I definitely like that. And then I like how they're all waiting on Ghostface and all that. And you have Tara who's like, Hey, want some of this ancient chocolate that's been here since the 1960s. And so, uh, you know, just like expired candy that's been in cobwebs and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I definitely like that. And then taking on, uh, then Sam realizes that they have been locked inside. Wayne calls Sam and says he found out that Kirby was fired from the FBI months prior for being mentally unstable. And at first I'm like, no, I don't think so. 
I'm like, even though she had this kind of smirky look to her when she walks off, but I didn't see the, her being the killer. I also predicted who the two killers were from the get-go because of how they pointed it out, obviously, with the suspects and stuff in the yeah. movie. But um, then, like, then you wind up having two ghost face appear and attack Chad. Now, they now how we actually determine how Josh determined this and Scream One is when Stu raises his hands up like that, that's Stu and the ghost face mask. So I'm like, so when they do it, I'm like, Stu? Because I'm like, (laughs) if only, if only, could you imagine? (laughs) Holy shit, right. Because, hey, if Gil can survive a slow pulse, he can survive a TV set being on his head, for crying out loud. But (laughs) I just thought that, you know, they wind up stabbing Chad repeatedly over and over again. So I'm thinking that Chad is dead at this point. (laughs) He got tag team like it was some WWE match. It was great. Sliced up like Swiss cheese. It was, it was, yeah, it was crazy. I was like, yeah, he's gone. Like, yeah, he's not coming back. <laughs> no, nope. There's no coming. That's what I was thinking. There's no coming back from that. You're dead. Yeah. So, as Tara and Sam to escape Kirby and Wayne both arrive with guns drawn. Of course, it goes into this whole entire cl- classic thing of who can trust who, and Wayne winds up uh, shooting Tara. And then that's whenever it's revealed, not Tara, but uh, Kirby. He winds up shooting Kirby. And then that's when it's revealed that he was actually the accomplice who was behind it. And even they, even when they were doing the suspect game, they said, well, you do know that's like the one person that you don't trust is the cop because it's easy to actually cover up. But I was even thinking the same thing. I'm like, it's the cop. And it's also going to be his daughter. And that was the two suspects that I actually had in my mind. And I was like, we already seen this in the third one. That person's not really dead. So yeah. that's what I was thinking. I was like, mm, she's dead. Uh, she, uh, she's not dead. So I was. that's what I was thinking. So the third per- killer was actually supr- a little bit more surprising for me. Oh, with uh, Ethan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, especially when uh, Ethan was trying to help Mindy uh, when she got dragged off the subway and put on the, like, the pillar. In the in the underground, uh, she was he was like, "Get some help! Get some help!" So if you're if you're one of the killers, just leave her there and walk off. Just like I, that 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 bit didn't make any sense to me because he he was so dead set on trying to get Mindy help, um, and then when it was revealed that Ethan was one of the killers, I was just like, "Man, like I feel like Ethan was like." Um. Oh shit! I've forgotten his name now. Um, who's the guy that's in um Dharma? Um, I can't remember. He's in American Horror Story. Um. Oh, his name. Hold on. Um. Let me just Google his name real quick. Okay. But. Okay. So another thing that I that I thought that was really cool. In a way, was of course there was this also while that's going on. There's actually the scene, other scenes from, you know, from all the other stab movies that's being played and things like that. So I thought that was actually pretty cool for them to have that going on at the same time that you have this big old huge battle happening too. 
Yeah, those. Uh, so the guy that I was referencing, the guy that uh, Ethan, I feel like they really wanted Evan Peters for that role. Evan Peters, uh, because he was such a lookalike of Evan Peters. Like, I was just like, oh man, he's like, when you order Evan Peters from Wish.com. Like, it was just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, those scenes from the stab, they were fan made movies by. Um, by uh, Jack Quaid um, in the original uh, Scream 5. Um, okay. So right. they were like his movies that he was making when he was a kid because he was so fascinated by the staff franchise. So, yeah. Um, they that, they were video footages that his dad, uh, Wayne, and obviously uh, Quinn and Ethan put together for the montages that was on the back screen. They were actually, yeah, they were actually his, uh, Richie's, Richie's home videos. Yeah. But another thing though, too, was this is, uh, they also mentioned the fact that they, that Quinn lost her brother. I'm like, okay, that's Quinn's sister. Instantly. I was like, that's Quinn's sister. There was no doubt about it. Whenever they, when she admits that she lost her brother. So that was something that oh, that was Richie's Richie's sister, yeah, yeah, Richie's sister, yeah. But yeah, they revealed their plan is uh, to kill Sam and her and frame her as ghost face, making her the final piece of the train to honor Richie. Sam and Tara fight off the Bailey family with Tara stabbing Ethan and Sam killing Quinn. Sam then does her father's ghost face costume and stabs Wayne to death. Ethan resurfaces, but Kirby smashes to the television set. That's uh, kills Stu uh, Mugger over his head, killing him. And I love how they do this one scene where basically she just winds up just smoothly just taking that big TV set as he's running and just, you know, just slides it off and kills him. Then I also like how they do the ghost face thing, just like how Sydney did the ghost face uh, called and stuff like that. Remember? In the very first one, yeah. where she calls Stu and Billy, but this yeah. time she's they're doing it to, uh, of course, to the to Dwayne, and he's like, "Show yourself, just like your father," and she's moving around just like Billy does. She has this little look, and then I like how she's just going ham on him when she finally just stabs him over and over and over again. Oh uh, yeah, she goes all John Wick. She goes all John Wick on on uh, on uh, Bailey Wayne Bailey. Um, like I've seen so many reviews, people going, "Yeah, I love the movie. I love Scream Six, but it was so good." But the last twenty minutes was like the run of the mill Scream movie, right? And I'm just like, "How? How can you like like the last twenty minutes for me was I would say Sam Carpenter's best moments in in the franchise so far." I thought the way that she dressed up as Ghostface and then uh, killed Wayne and obviously uh, shot. Uh, Quinn in the head and then um, and then goes um, oh no sorry wait no Tara kills Ethan with the knife in the in the mouth and yeah then he goes, deep, pretty much deep throats the knife that's, yeah, what, I, that's goes, what I have in my notes <laughs> and then she goes you're gonna die a virgin you're gonna die a virgin so that was a really cool line and then uh, it goes back to Sam saying to Quinn oh you're another brother down and I thought Yes, yes, what a line that was. 
<laughs> she has some great lines in this though. She, like, especially the line with Gail talking about do with Dewey. I'm like, that's a low blow. And she's like, that's a low blow. Well, you deserved yeah, it. I'm right. like, she has so much savage stuff in this movie that I've really loved her lines in. So yeah. Oh, she was so good. And then she shoots Quinn in the head, point blank. And then obviously Wayne Bailey standing there witnessing it all and goes to shoot Wayne Bailey. Obviously the gun jams. So she throws the gun away and they just do this running at each other. Like it's John Wick, like it's a fucking John Wick moment. And they just clash and they fall off the balcony, have a bit of a wrestle. Then she disappears. And then she's dressed up. Next time you see her, she's dressed up as Ghostface and she just goes ham. She just goes to ham on, on, on Wayne Bailey. It's, it's, it's so John Wick and it's so bad. Mm -hmm. It's such a badass final girl moment. For me, that I just absolutely, I get really excited talking about it. Can you tell I'm really yeah, excited? Yes, because I was that much excited too in the theater when I saw seen it, and I was just, I was like, yes, this is definitely a John Wick type moment for her to shine. And then I like how the two sisters are over there after all this is going on, after all this is over with, they're just sitting down having a breather, like nothing even happened. I'm like, what? The? <laughs> and then I like how they have the uh, the red right hand playing in the background. As if to let us know that the movie is over, and what we just witnessed is over. And I'm like, okay, I like I like that little background of the nostalgia playing in the background like that. Because yeah. whenever that song comes on, I, I I instantly have goosebumps every single time, especially oh, in the fifth 100%. movie. Yeah, that song can even make you think about Peaky Blinders or Scream. Yep, it's just yeah. <laughs> but for me. It's always going to be Scream before Pinky Blinders because I grew up on Scream at age ten. So <laughs> yeah, oh, I meet me too, man. Like <laughs> I just thought that whole finale with with Sam obviously finishing them off all off. Same. Obviously, I thought the the balcony scene was really tense as well. When obviously Tara was hanging on, and obviously because Sam's got the bloody hands, uh, right. Tara's slipping all over the place, and she goes, "Give me the knife, give me the knife," and then she obviously falls. Uh, Tara gets stabbed in the stomach, um, but then before before any fatal thing happens, she could stab stab Ethan in the mouth. I just thought that was so good. Sam. Then yeah. after that happens, Sam agrees to let Tara live her life more independently, and Tara agrees to go to therapy. As the still alive Mindy, Chad, and Kirby are taken to the hospital, Sam shares at her uh, Sam she stares at her father's ghost face mask before discarding it and throwing it uh, and following Tara into the city. Yeah. I, this, that, that, that whole uh, ambulance bit kind of made me go a little bit like, what, how, like I was feeling, I was echoing Sam's statement <laughs> when, when obviously Chad comes out and she's like, how are you still alive? And I was like, girl, yes. Like how are you still alive? Like, And that's what I love um, about these movies. They answer our questions for us. So that way we don't, <laughs> <laughs> have to tweet at these actors and be like, how are you still alive? But yeah, I, I really, I really loved, I loved it. I thought this movie is probably one of my favorites in the franchise. I'll have to actually put this, if I was ranking it right now without doing the rewatch of the fifth one yet, I would have to put uh scream two first scream one second, And then this one next, and then scream three, then scream four. And this one, and then of course six last. Oh, no, five last. My bad. Wow. Um, I'm probably gonna go. Yeah, screen one, screen two, <laughs> screen six, 
Scream 4, Scream 5, and Scream 3. Okay. But yeah, that's my yeah. ranking for right now, but it could change coming up whenever I do it on Thursday. So, with that being said, guys, I hope that you guys enjoyed our spoiler review for Scream 6. Thank you, Alexander, for commenting in the comment section. I do appreciate that. And thank you, uh, Vengeance. I do appreciate you joining me because this has been a treat. This has been an honor. Please, I want you to come back on again sometime soon. Oh, whenever you'll have me, man, I'll be there. I'll be there, man. Thank you so much for having me, man. I had such a good time. And I have a question before you end the live. Is there a part of you that wishes that Sam kept the mask instead of putting it on the ground? Yes. I do, because that is a resemblance of her father. And it would also show maybe later on or something like that, the trauma that she carried is going to make her snap. Yeah. And to have a split personality. Yeah. And that's what I want. I want a full on snap of Sam. Yeah. Definitely. Because you see it I, in her eyes. You literally see it in her eyes. You know? Oh, 100%. But I feel like we didn't need Sydney. I was like, I no. forgot Sydney was in these movies halfway through. They the do film, mention like, her, but she's not needed. Yeah. It I thought that Jenna Ortega carried the film fine. I thought it was the pacing was fine. Everything worked to that point. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, All halfway right. through, I was like, Sydney who? Sydney who? <laughs> oh yeah, the the woman, the girl, the woman that carried the whole franchise for the whole yeah, yeah. entire. Okay, sure. <laughs> but anyways, dude, it's an honor, it's a privilege to be able to do this with you, and I hope you to have you back again soon. Thank you. I know it's late over there. I'm gonna let you get some sleep. But... Oh, good man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right. too hyped. I'm too hyped now. I can't sleep. I've been talking about Scream Six. This is how I am at night after a podcast. All right. So with that being said, guys, go ahead, follow us at all our social medias. I have, of course, that in the links below. Also, too, tomorrow night, 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock, Eastern Time, we are going to be wrapping up our season finale of The Last of Us. I'm going to have Jamie back with me, ACS Universe with me, all the people on the panel that you love that's going to be back for one last time. And it's going to be a great episode, but also a sad time for us because we're breaking away from each other after doing nine episodes. So always until next time, guys. Bye-bye.